This is Arab Talk on KPOO 89.5 FM in San Francisco. This is Arab Talk with Jess and Jamal. I'm Jess Ghanab. And I'm Jamal Dejani. Jamal, we have a great show today. We're going to be covering a lot of things. The genocide in Gaza continues unabated. Um, the situation is getting very grave. There have been a number of developments in addition to the close to 28,000 Palestinian civilians uh, that have been killed by the Israeli military. A number of new developments have been happening, which include the attack on Al-Nusr Hospital in the south, which was the last barely functioning hospital in Gaza. The Israeli uh, military invaded the hospital. They've arrested hundreds of people. 20 patients have been estimated to have died since that has happened. The power has been cut to Al-Nusr Hospital. Doctors and healthcare workers have been arrested and detained. The situation is very grave. In addition to that, we found that uh, President Sisi has ordered the Egyptian military to create a buffer zone. Kind of interesting. We don't know the details, but we may be covering that in addition to the additional topics that we're going to be covering today, which includes Benjamin Netanyahu's statement that even if a hostage deal is reached, he is planning to use the Israeli military to invade Rafah, where 1.4 million Palestinians are currently living in desperate situation. It could be very grave. The international community has condemned that. The Biden administration, despite the genocide, Jamal, is going to be putting together an aid package, an aid package for Israel with billions of more dollars of support and military aid. There's an interesting story by uh, a number of Israeli rappers who are condemning Bella Hadid and Mia Khalifa because of their chart-topping war anthem, anti-war anthem. It's a really bizarre story. They created this incredible anti-war anthem, and Israeli rappers are calling for them to be killed. Palestinian women and girls, Jamal, in the, in the course of this genocide that's occurring right now, are among the most vulnerable. We know that close to 14,000 children have been killed, but the vulnerability for women also has to be discussed. We'll be covering that today. And finally, uh, one of my most anticipated topics, which I like talking about, as you know, is that the Arab and Muslim Americans who are voting uncommitted for the primaries coming up. Uh, there's going to be some primaries coming up in March, the presidential elections in the fall. Even Rashida Tlaib, a congressman from uh, Michigan, is uh, going to be advocating for an uncommitted vote for the presidential primary, but not for local elections. So, Jamal, we have a lot of topics to cover. That's right. And let's start with uh, what uh, Benjamin Netanyahu uh, said uh, uh, and insisted on this Saturday that Israel would not bow to international pressure to call off its plan for a ground, uh, ground invasion of Rafah, uh, which is the southernmost uh, city in Gaza uh, that is now packed uh, with more than a million uh, Palestinians. And as you know, many of the people uh, now in Rafah are displaced. They're living in schools, tents, uh, homes of friends and relatives. Uh, it's part of a desperate search for any safe refuge for uh, Israel's genocide uh, in Gaza, uh, which has dragged on for more than now four months. Um, the lives uh, are, uh, it's, it's a daily struggle to find just uh, food to survive. I've I've watched videos where people are using animal feed to bake bread with. I mean, this is how dire this situation right. is. So now he's saying, you know, oh, 
actually what he said, which is goes even further, he said that even if we reach an agreement to release uh, that for Hamas to release the hostages, Israel will still invade Rafah. I mean, this is how bad, which shows right. you the intention from the beginning, just his intentions from the beginning is really to ethnically cleanse Gaza. Has nothing to do with the, it has nothing to do with the hostages. You know, so it has nothing to do with well, the hostages. But, but, He's just but, like going to keep going, going, bombing, uh, causing more destruction, destroying the infrastructure of Gaza, killing more people, destroying hospitals, schools. And what you said, I'm not so sure about it. Uh, as far as Egypt, uh, I mean, uh, I've also heard uh, from Egyptian officials denying that they will, that they are building, as it has been rumored, a tent city. Uh, and clearing an area, they're just basically want to prevent people from crossing. That's what he said. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how much you can believe information coming from the Egyptian government at this time, but I want to go back to something you said, which I think is really important first uh, for our listeners and viewers. We've been saying for the last five months plus, Jamal, for the last number of decades, that the intention of the Israeli apartheid state is to ethnically cleanse Palestinians from historic Palestine, whether it's the West Bank, whether it's Jerusalem, whether it's 1948. And we, we have been saying that for a long time. What we're seeing in Gaza, despite what you're hearing from Benjamin Netanyahu, the Israeli government, and the U.S. government, we have to not judge uh, the the words that they're saying, but we have to judge the actions. And the actions, as you rightly point out, point to ethnic cleansing and genocide and the removal of Palestinians, indigenous Palestinians, from their land. Could anything be more clear than what has happened this week when Benjamin Netanyahu says, we don't care what the international community says, we don't care what the United States says, we are going to push forward, even if we get all the hostages out, we are going to continue with this military invasion, destruction, and further genocide of innocent Palestinian civilians in Rafah. Could, could the argument that we've been saying for years and years and years that the intention of the Israeli government is to ethnically cleanse be any more clear than it is no, now, Jamal? No, it's not. I mean, as you said, actions speak louder than words, and they've been doing it. And despite yes. condemnation, despite actually this this coming uh, this Monday, uh, there's uh, demonstrations all over the world. The demonstrations on President's Day, uh, of course, in uh, the United States. But you you've been having daily demonstrations, and the numbers keep growing. That's right. And in fact, there is a change. I would say a change of mind amongst the EU countries now. They're not as uh, adamant in saying no ceasefire we i sense a change of tone uh, coming from statements from france and and, and other countries uh it's too late it's too little uh, too late uh, there is a change of tone with the biden administration about the killing of civilians but we don't see a call for a ceasefire or from congress and actually moving on to the Next story, which 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 is really uh, you know I mean connects with the first one, which is the Biden administration just is preparing to send bombs and other weapons to Israel, even as as they claim that they are pushing for a ceasefire. That's what they're claiming. 
But at the same time, even because, as you know, the $14 billion package that you, uh, you mentioned has not yet been approved by Congress, and they're not going to be talking about it right. until, I think, um, two weeks from now or about something like this. Right. So they're saying, like, even if, if Congress causes a, a delay in, in approving it, and even if Congress does not, uh, would not, it does not pass it, we're going to send additional bombs. So the United States basically, and they, they, they list them, they have basically said they're proposing an arms delivery, which includes a thousand uh, each of MK-82 500-pound bombs and the KMU-572 Joint Direct Attack Munitions, uh, J- well, or the initial, uh, you know, the acronym for this is the JDMs or JDAMs, that turn unguided munitions into precision guided bombs. This is a, according to a report that that came out in the Wall Street Journal on Friday, citing unnamed U.S. officials. So, in the midst of all this calls for ceasefire, we're going to give them more bombs Jamal. to destroy and kill more people. Can 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 we just be clear about it? The United States has not even suggested a ceasefire. They have not. In fact, there's the United Nations is going to be voting on a ceasefire resolution this week. The United States and Linda Greenfield, the UN ambassador, and Antony Blinken have already said that they will veto any ceasefire resolution coming from the United Nations. So let, let's, not, let, let's not play around with the words coming from Washington, coming from Blinken, coming from Biden, coming from Harris or anybody else in the Biden administration, irrespective of their, their, their empty words about, oh, maybe, you know, the Israeli campaign is, quote, over the top, and we are telling that we're, we don't, we're frustrated with Benjamin Netanyahu. It's all complete rubbish. And it's rubbish because there is a genocide occurring. The weapons continue to flow unabated, uh, unrestricted, continue to go forward to, to the Israeli military, Jamal. And in addition to the billions that the Isra- Israel gets every year, there's going to be billions and billions more, all while they're uh, not wanting to send any military aid to, to uh, Ukraine right now. So when people wake up from this uh, delusional kind of dream that they're in, that this is actually going to further the United States strategic interests and create a, a more peaceful environment. I think we're looking, Jamal, for the foreseeable future, really significant destabilization in the region, which you know we've been talking about for a while, but how else can you interpret the furtherance of this destructive genocide that's going on right now? Uh, they're continuing to attack uh, the Houthis in, in Yemen. They continue to bomb in Lebanon in the south right now. It's not looking very uh, stable to me, Jamal. No, it's not. And I think uh, you said something very accurate, which is I think this whole leak, so-called leaks, of Biden is uh, upset with Netanyahu and he's calling him names, uh, etc. It's all a a charade, really. It is. is. I I believe it's, it's something that, uh, just to give, you know, to feed to the media that the United States is interested in a, in a ceasefire and that they are putting pressure on Israel while giving Israel a wink and a nod to continue, and, and weapons, not just like that. They're, they're just giving Israel bombs to bomb Palestinians 
They're moving on with this ethnic cleansing of uh, Palestinians in Gaza. And at the same time, I believe it's a political uh, ploy, uh, just in case it goes all sour or it goes south, they can blame Netanyahu. They'll, they'll say, well, you know, we were telling him President Biden was upset. You know, he was against everything else. I think this, you know, they're playing this game. I seriously think this. They're giving Netanyahu the green light to go ahead and do whatever he wants to, wants to do. But they're distancing themselves. They started to distance themselves because they can see, even though Netanyahu is telling them we're going to invade, you know, let's say Rafah and we're going to get rid of Hamas. Well, what if he, he invades Rafah and he doesn't get rid of Hamas and fails? And what if he kills another 50,000 people in Rafah and it's a big disaster, so it's going to come back fire in the face of Biden. And at the same time, the other part of this game that they're playing is he's trying to appeal to the hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of Americans who have been demonstrating in the streets who are say, calling for a ceasefire, not only Arab and, and Muslim Americans, but the young people on college campuses and, 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 and all all kinds of minorities who are against, yeah, against him, but, who but, are not going to vote for him, to say, I'm trying to do the right thing. Vote for me. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Your analysis is correct. I just would make one small change. It's You said just in case it goes south, the Biden administration is preparing. I think it already has gone south politically no, no, I'm for saying, Joe Biden. I'm saying it, that's in their thinking. Yeah. Well, in their thinking, unfortunately, their thinking is a little delusional because the situation has already been catastrophic. It already is politically has gone south. The, the Biden administration uh, political team in terms of thinking about 2024 and the presidential elections has already made the cal calculation that they are at risk for losing two key swing states, uh, Michigan and, and Georgia right now, just given everything that's going on. And so um, I think the Biden administration knows that the writing is on the wall. And no matter what they say, no matter who they send to Dearborn or Detroit in Michigan, Jamal, the, the reality on the ground is Biden has failed, failed to secure uh, the kind of world kind of peace and tranquility and stability that he ran on, that he was someone who was wise and wouldn't get us into wars again and who would create this kind of economic and political stability in the world. And I, I want to ask you and our listeners and viewers, do you really believe that things are much more stable economically and politically now since Joe Biden took over? I mean, really, things are far more unstable politically and economically, and nobody buys it, except for the United States, Jamal. The entire world is in a deep economic recession. And some people are saying, well, the United States is doing a little bit better, but not, not by that much. So I think whatever calculations they're making, Jamal, they're, they've miscalculated, and it's costing the lives of Palestinians. It's going to cost them the election in 2024. We're going we're gonna to pick up on that in a later segment, but I, I, I really agree with your analysis. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, they're trying different things. They're just basically trying to cover they're behind basically 
by by leaking uh, stories to the media Nobody and saying buys we it. have a disagreement with Israel when they don't have. They're on the same page from day one, uh, you know, encouraging basically Benjamin Netanyahu to invade Gaza, giving Benjamin Netanyahu all the weapons he wanted to do, in, interceding at the United Nations Security Council, casting vetoes to prevent a ceasefire. And as you've mentioned, there is on, you know, Algeria is expected to uh, uh, to present a resolution to call for another ceasefire. And they've already sent, sent their objection saying that they will veto it. This is at the time, at the same time when they're saying, well, uh, Secretary Blinken keeps going back to the region and he's talking about the ceasefire, we're trying to convince the Israelis, we're trying to yeah, tell them no not one, to kill more no civilians. And they're saying if you present no a, a resolution to call for a ceasefire, they are going to veto it. And I think the Algerians, uh, at this point, they're trying to tell them, change the language of it, include like the release of all the hostages. Well, you know, Benjamin Netanyahu said, even if you if you release all the hostages, we're going uh, to invade uh, Rafah. I, I think that the Algerians should go and keep not change a single word in that uh, resolution and let the United States veto it again and go on the record again for what? The third time now vetoing a ceasefire resolution within the past 100 days. That's right. That's why nobody believes the United States. That's why nobody believes Joe Biden. That's why the so-called moral authority of, of the Biden administration and the United States globally is being seriously eroded, if, if not completely laughed at. Nobody buys the rhetoric anymore, Jamal. Yes, we see some cracks in the EU. And probably with this vote in the UN, if it comes uh, through, you'll see some EU countries abstaining, which is is a pretty significant thing when it comes to this, because typically they voted against it. But I, I think we're looking at something globally right now, which it continues to point to this analysis that we've made that this kind of support for an apartheid state like Israel and support for their genocide is going to cost the United States deeply in terms of its strategic and economic interests for generations to come. And Joe Biden, for all of his wisdom, has failed the United States and has failed the world. And I think they see the writing on the wall, Jamal. I really do. I think they're anticipating that they're going to lose. You're hearing in the media all these reports, well, maybe we need to pick somebody else for uh, to be president. Maybe Biden should step out because... I think they really see the writing yeah, on the wall. they're playing different scenarios. But I want to say something. Joe Biden has been the most war-mongering president in my lifetime, Jess. I mean, it's, it's not like just an act. You're right. And, and, and I want to talk a little bit about the economy because, I mean, we know what he, what he has done since he came to office. And, and even before that, as a senator, he, there, there is no war that he hasn't liked or voted to, to you know, the war on Iraq, for example. Uh, you know, he was right. the first uh, person to really cast his vote to invade Iraq and so forth. But now these young people who are demonstrating, they are feeling the pinch. In fact, there is an ad that uh, I've sent it to you talking about how a family, when uh, when they went shopping to a store, right. and they're looking at all the prices, how the prices, you know, prices of groceries. And uh, even though he keeps tweeting like, oh, the price of this came down, it's all baloney, you know that. Every single consumer, especially if you lived in the Bay Area, you know, if you went to a restaurant, you paid like 
at least 40% more for your meal. If you went to a grocery store, you paid at least 30% for, for your food. But now the boycott is working. You know, Starbucks and McDonald's, two large American companies, they themselves, you know, when they presented the last quarter, uh, you know, results, that they lost money. And they said, why? They said, because of the boycott. So here is Starbucks. That's right. The, 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 if, if, if people, uh, you know, I mean, have invested, let's say, in the stock market in Starbucks, they've lost money because of Biden. The company itself, which uh, employs thousands of Americans, lost money. McDonald's on the, on, is losing money and other companies are targeted. And in my opinion, that's why you have a change of the mentality at the EU because they have been seeing on a daily basis. You should see people, I mean, we don't see enough here on, on, on TV. Americans don't see that. The crowds, the millions of people who every day go in London and they try all kinds of things to prevent them from demonstrating. They still go out in the streets, in Berlin, in Paris, in Rome. They are all demonstrating and they are boycotting Israeli goods, but they are also boycotting American goods. And that's where he's that's going right. to destroy our economy further. It's all a, a fluff now. I mean, you know, yes, maybe the uh, one percentile or two percentile of, of uh, upper percentile of the American public uh, is doing well, but the rest... It's going to be horrible. He's going to, you know, destroy this economy in this country. And at the same time, when we don't have money to pay for schools, for education, for uh, infrastructure, he wants to send another $14 billion to Israel. And, and also the war in, in Ukraine. We, we still, his, we are funding, um, the U.S. taxpayers are funding two wars simultaneously, just. Well, and you could make the argument, Jamal, that they're funding even more wars. If you look at what's happening in Syria, Iraq, in Lebanon, if you look at what's happening in Yemen, if you look at the the shadow wars that the United States is engaged in right now, the number of military assets they've sent to uh, the Middle East and North Africa region to to deal with this, I think that analysis is exactly right. I mean. The Biden administration has some sort of crazy calculation that they want the economy to pretend to be strong until the election in November. And I think if you look at the where the money is being spent, how much is being spent, how much Americans are really suffering when they go to the gas station, when they go to the supermarket, when they try to pay their bills, I think more and more people are going to be doing one of two things, Jamal. They're going to vote for Donald Trump and the Republicans, or they won't vote for Biden. So one of those two things, and when you add up all those numbers, all I could say is, bye-bye Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Welcome Donald Trump. We're, 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 we're going to come back to that, okay? Because we still have a couple of more, uh, you know, things to cover first, but um, the next couple of stories are really interesting if you ask me. Yeah, so if you, if you watched TikTok, because now TikTok has become very popular, <laughs> or even t- Twitter or Facebook, every single day, Jazz, Israeli soldiers self-incriminate themselves. You see right. them on a daily basis, bragging, breaking to people's homes, 
displaying women's underwear, stealing, stealing, you know, from these homes. They they show them basically torturing uh, civilian prisoners, as as we've reported on this several times, marching them naked in the middle of the streets. And many of them leave. They have they're not members of Hamas, and and they show physical abuse on on their on on their bodies. They've been killing doctors. They've been destroying hospitals every day. Just you know, just you just go to, uh, to the internet. They're just filming themselves bragging about that. And now you have a very popular song just by a so-called rap Israeli group. I didn't see any rap in it. It's just like horrible music. It's a horrible group. Okay, they call themselves Nes Vestilla, which means Nes and Stilla in in in, in Hebrew. And, and they debuted a song that's now uh, basically is Israel's uh, most streamed song for for 2023, and still very very popular on YouTube. On YouTube, it has uh, 18 million views on YouTube alone, and so the song basically calls for the deaths of Bella Hadid. Dua, uh, if people don't know, that's very famous Palestinian-American model, Dua Lipa, she's uh, Al- uh, Albanian-British uh, uh, singer, very famous, and a porn star, Mia Khalifa, Lebanese porn star, Mia Khalifa, <laughs> and basically calling for their death. And this is the most popular song now in Israel. Imagine. Well, well, Jamal, I mean, if you do just a little bit of digging on TikTok, you will see that uh, there are thousands of TikTok videos by Israelis celebrating the ethnic cleansing and the genocide of Palestinians. Basically, after the Israeli soldiers uh, are publishing their, their videos of humiliation, torture, and destruction in Gaza, you see all these um, glowing TikTok responses back from from Israelis saying, "Go for it, do more," and celebrating the carnage and the destruction and the genocide of Palestinians. So let let's dig a little deeper into this. When you see Israelis uh, celebrating genocide and death, and you have Joe Biden saying, "These are our partners in democracy. Our partners in democracy." Our biggest partner in democracy is Israel. And these videos are coming from Israelis. How do we square no, that? And then the funny thing, because I actually want to mention this story, because the Israelis, you know, Hasbaristas, uh, propagandists in the United States and el- elsewhere, they always try to come up with lies about Palestinians, like, oh, children celebrating uh, the death of Israelis, whatever, That's right. which, when it's the other way around. Now, the president of Israel, Herzog, in front, you know, I think it was in Munich. He holds a book. I don't know if yeah. you saw that just, but he had a book, a book written in the 90s in Arabic about what, what, what he uh, explained that it is an anti-Semitic book. I'm not familiar with the book. I've never seen the book. I've never read the book. But he attributes the book that this book was found in a house in Gaza, okay, so you're gonna find this book was found in a house, <laughs> and this book was written by Hamas is one of Hamas's leaders, Al Zahar, okay, and you could clearly see in the video that this book wasn't written by Al Zahar, 
it's like someone totally unrelated wasn't even published in Palestine. This is like holding, like finding like the same story. They said they found a copy of Mein Kampf in in Gaza. Right. But at the same time, this time they're saying it was written by Palestinians. Mein Kampf was written by... Right. He was trying to pin it and the book, I mean... I mean, I, I I don't know what to say. I mean, he's the president. He's not he's not an Israeli soldier. I mean, he has advisors who I'm sure he can find amongst them people who read Arabic, and it's clearly he points it to the camera. This is how idiotic he was in this. He points it to the camera and says, "This was written by Hamas's uh, leader Al Zahar, and it's 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 a total lie," you know. Well, well, Jamal, are 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 you or I surprised by this? I mean, we're not surprised because Israel, their propaganda machine is based, and they they create this kind of propaganda every single day. It's not based on reality. They just say whatever they want to say. It typically has absolutely no connection to reality. This reminds me of the Netanyahu UN uh, presentation where he has these pictures of uh, cartoonish pictures of bombs and things like that in talking about Iran and what's happening. It is, it's bizarre on the one hand, but it tells you how desperate they are, Jamal, right? Isn't that, uh, it's an indication that they at some level really do understand that they are losing global support and global popularity in the streets. And maybe in some governments, because last week, uh, we had Australia, New Zealand, and Canada all issuing a ceasefire uh, demand. Kind of interesting that uh, these three countries uh, issued this statement in in collaboration with one another, calling for a ceasefire. So I think they see that writing is on the wall, but it never stops them from their propaganda campaign. I mean, who are who's the audience when Herzog lifts up this fake book? I well, mean, you know, I who's he say- talking to? They throw something to see if it's going to stick, and they try it. And, 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 and they have initially succeeded in their campaign and in their lives. That's why we are seeing all this death and destruction. When they came up with the story of the 40 beheaded babies, that no one now talks about it, and it was totally debunked, and they couldn't find except for one baby who was killed during, not beheaded, but was killed during that entire battle. And they said they had 40. They had somebody who actually is a known liar to go and testify about this. Then they came up and they're still now pushing. And just last week, Congress passed a resolution. Everybody who voted on it, except for Rashida Tlaib, to condemn the sexual abuse or sexual, whatever, rape of Israelis when this has been also debunked. They still keep pushing them because they want to create a justification for their genocide when it comes to trial and, 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 and which eventually they're going to be dragged into the International Court of Justice because of their crimes. Right. So they have to come up with an excuse. And now they're not talking about the 40 beheaded babies, the total lie. They're trying to push this uh, and, and with the help of Congress about the rape. You know how many Palestinian women get raped in Israeli jails, Jess? Do you know how many 
children get abused and sexually abused. I mean, we know about these stories. There are a lot of a lot of people who can testify to this, and it has been going on for years. And now they're trying to put this forward, Decades. say, just in case if we're going to be taken to trial, we have something to counter it with. And and this is the latest about like you know finding a copy of Mein Kampf in in Gaza, finding a, this this book that, and then they make up a lie and, and they see whether it's going to stick or not, and then they move on. They don't care if they get caught. Uh, with the lie, and they've been caught with so many lies, they just don't care. They just keep trying, trying uh, time and time again, and until something uh, passes, you know. But I don't think anything's going to stick, Jamal, because if you look at what happened or what is happening now in Al Nasr Hospital in Gaza in the south, they said the same kind of BS. They invaded Nasr Hospital because there was this large Hamas infrastructure command center underneath the hospital. Have we seen the evidence of the massive command center underneath the Al Nasr hospital? Of course not, because it doesn't exist. But they're using that as the justification for killing patients, killing doctors, closing down the last remaining hospital where thousands of Palestinians have sought refuge during this genocide. I think you're right. I mean, they're, they say whatever they want to say. They throw and see what's going to stick. Nothing sticks anymore. I, I think generally speaking, and this is true even of some of the EU uh, diplomats, I mean, secretly, nobody believes the Israelis anymore. No, but uh, that's e why even they the try Ameri different things, and that's why I was shocked. Not shocked, actually. I shouldn't be shocked because we know the control of APAC on Congress to go after a resolution with, uh, with no proof about um, the rape, and, uh, and especially if you present it as it was like a, uh, you know, massive campaign of rape like these hamas fighters had right. the time to rape women and so forth during the battle which was debunked by israelis themselves and then the person who knows a lot about this is uh, max blumenthal and others who talk about it and they have eyewitnesses and so forth and i'm thinking about it you know and no one talks about it you know because they're trying to appeal to the feminist movement and so forth in this country and I don't hear anything from the feminist movement in this country about Palestinian women and girls who are suffering in Gaza. They are the most, and, and this is our next topic, they are the most vulnerable and the first impacted during Israel's genocide in Gaza. Yes, women and girls are, uh, are, represent 70% of the Palestinians killed in Gaza. There are women and children, 70% of that. And, and, uh, and then significant because, of course, 2008, October 6, 2023, there were 14% of all Palestinians killed by Israel. Two mothers are killed every hour. Two mothers That's are right. killed every hour. More than 3,000 have been made widows. They have no safe spaces. And, and then we can talk about all the other things. You know, as you know, Palestinian women, especially now in Gaza, they're traditionally the caregivers. Uh, they cannot move around to take care of their elderly parents, and they are res responsible for, for children. And, and, uh, and, and when they're arrested, by the way, when you see these, they're stripped naked, they're harassed by the Israeli occupation forces. And they, those who were released afterwards 
like there was a testimony by a preg- by ma- several pregnant pregnant women spoke of being beaten on their stomach by the Israeli soldiers yeah. repeatedly their humiliations their their um, kidnapping and now you know they're suffering for from lack of food housing privacy sanitation no privacy now living amongst crowded in a crowded living up to 12 people are now staying in a tent uh no sanitary products you know what women use for sanitary products yes yeah cloth. i mean they use their clothes I mean, and pieces of tents oh I, I and in some cases they don't even have access to that jamal do you know that there are 50,000 palestinian women who are pregnant right now in gaza who have no access to prenatal care, have no access to OBGYN care, don't even have access to traditional midwives in Gaza because of the situation. Right now in Gaza, Jamal, the highest infant mortality rate in the world by far compared to, you know, globally, I mean, so many so many babies are dying uh, either before they're born or just after they're born right now, Jamal. It's absolutely catastrophic. And then the women, after they give birth, are at grave risk of medical complications and death, too. And I think you're right. I think we're going to ask this question, where are the American feminists who who should be outraged at this level of assault to women in Palestine and children? And what about scolacticide? It's a new word that I've learned. Uh, which means uh, basically now with the older schools, and I'm talking about young girls now, with all their right. schools destroyed, with their books burned, and with their parents left, many of them, by the way, are orphans. So you are dis- Israel has parents. destroyed a whole new generation, deprived them of, they have been out of school now for the past four months, and it's going to be longer. I mean, right. I mean, they don't even have books. I mean, they, they didn't even destroy the schools. They set libraries on fire and destroyed all the books. And and as you've as you've we've said earlier, over three thousand women have become heads of households because they, they their husbands were killed. Uh, you know, and usually when you have a big family, they're not traditionally the breadwinners. Now they're suddenly responsible for feeding and caring for the, an entire family and they're not receiving any any aid and that's what now you see israelis even trying to stop the trucks to cross to through to rafah to bring them food and that's water right. well well they have stopped it jamal and we didn't even have time to talk about today the concerted effort by israel to destroy and undermine UNRWA, which is the main agency, the UN agency that that supplies humanitarian aid, food, medicine to the, you know, one and a half million refugees. And in schools. Gaza. Uh, and schools, that's the UN mandate. And Israel right now is advocating aggressively, and they got the United States to stop the funding, but aggressively to shut down this organization, which would already impose a greater burden and a greater misery on an already incredibly catastrophic situation. But these are the stories that we're not hearing about in the mainstream media, Jamal. 
Israel's attempt, in addition to the genocide, to shut down UNRWA, which is the main supplier of these uh, humanitarian and educational uh, uh, supplies in Gaza. It's really a bizarre and, you know, I mean, the reason I think we should talk about this because it gives you the mentality and the intentionality of what the apartheid state of Israel wants to do. People say, well, this is kind of an outrageous statement, don't you think? Uh, they say this to us all the time when we say that the intention is to ethnically cleanse. But when you look at the actions, Jamal, of what they're doing to UNRWA, what's happening to women and children, what's happening right now with cutting off supplies, what other conclusion would well, you come to? Well, it's not just the intentions, Jess, because Israel has a history of ethnic cleansing. We go back all the way to 1947, 1948, when, when half the population of Palestine uh, were ethnically cleansed right. from Palestine, and now we have half the population of Palestinians living in diaspora. Many of them are living in refugee camps in Lebanon, Jordan, and other places around the world. And then we look at 1967. 1967, the same thing. The same thing. Israel also got rid of many Palestinians during that war, pushed them to Jordan, and ethnically cleansed. And then the period thereafter. On a daily basis, Israel uh, ethnically cleanses Palestinians from their homes in Jerusalem and replaces them by settlers. We see that all the time. We know we reported on what's happening in Shafat. Now, actually, it's happening in the West Bank. So you can't blame Hamas. That's you right. can't say there is a war with Hamas, but it's happening, and no one is talking about it. And that's, well, no, I should say— right. Uh, Joe Biden named four four settlers and and said that they are going to prevent them from coming to the United States after after right. they've heard so many reports right. of attacks and killing uh, uh, the shepherds sheep and and burning olive trees and and setting homes on fire. Jamal, four out yes, of eight hundred thousand. Four and then pass. Out of 800,000. Yeah, passing a law to say that those who come, they're going to put add some names to this whatever list. And guess what? We talked about it. Out of the 800,000. None of them are Americans. You have about 200,000 U.S. citizens who are partaking in these atrocities on a daily basis and saying you're going to cancel their visas. How are you going to cancel their visas? They're U.S. citizens. These guys should be arrested. Exactly. They should be extradited, which, by the way, Israel does not have an extradition agreement with the United States. Well, that's why, that's why so many criminals and go rapists, to Israel. Not Jamal. just like average. I'm not talking about terrorists. I'm talking average, like many rapists who go there from Australia, from other places, and they go hide there. The killers of uh, the JDL killers who killed Ode, you remember? In, in San Diego, yeah. the State Department knows about their whereabouts. They're living in a settlement. They've been there for years. That's right. No one asked for their extradition. The FBI has their names. They fled the country. And they're still, they're still there. Yeah, of well, course, you know, we can't talk about this uh, forever, not to mention Jonathan Pollard the spy who was received with open arms by Benjamin Netanyahu. And now he's an important member of the Likud, someone who sold sensitive American secrets. We let him go 
and now he's an important member of the Likud party. Well, that 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 should open every single American's eyes to the complicity that the United States and the State Department and the president, current president Joe Biden, the complicity they have in this apartheid uh, state called Israel, Jamal. And it leads us to the next story. And our final right? story, which is... Let's talk about elections. Yeah. Well, Jamal, how many times have I predicted and been right? I'm sorry to say this. For the last eight years now, I've accurately predicted, and I'm going to predict again, that because of Biden's actions and Biden policies, which are negatively affecting not just Arab Americans, Muslim Americans, and and progressives. They're affecting negatively most Americans, except the top 1%, and affecting globally people, you know, all over the world, is going to cost him the election. And the Stop Biden campaign, the Dump Biden campaign, every week is gaining steam, Jamal. Even Rashida Tlaib has joined the cause of uncommitted and dumping Biden. I think that's a very big development, don't you? It's, it's, it's very big. I mean, at, at the end of the day, Rashida Tlaib is a member of the Democratic Party, and it's usually unprecedented. Well, you had few cases where you go against the president, like we can talk about the case of uh, Ted Kennedy challenging uh, uh, Carter. Uh, but anyway, uh, Representative Rashida Tlaib, uh, Democrat of Michigan, on Saturday called on Michigan residents to vote uncommitted which we had, if you remember, a couple of weeks ago, a guest from Dearborn who said, who, who worked on the Biden campaign, said he was going to vote uncommitted and urging all uh, his neighbors to do the same. In the upcoming uh, Democratic primary, and I'm quoting here, she said, if you want us to be louder, then come here and vote uncommitted. Uh, and she posted a video uh, asking people to do that. And I think that's what's going to happen. And and it's not just going to happen in Michigan. Michigan is very important because Michigan is a swing state. And if he's right. not going to win, which he won it last time by 10,000, less than 10,000 votes, and Dearborn alone has 80,000 yeah. voters. And this is what I say to Biden and the Democrats in Michigan, Jamal. It's bye-bye. And that's bye. why they, See you later. they send uh, delegates there and he sent campaign uh, workers to meet with the mayor of, of Dearborn. The mayor of Dearborn said, no, we're not going to meet with you. He went there, but no one meet, uh, met with him. Uh, I, I think he went there to speak to the um, uh, auto workers union uh, there. And, I, and, and, and most of the auto workers unions, they have a lot of Arab Americans working there and they have a lot of minorities, African Americans and so forth who support, who, has, who have been marching, uh, you know, against, uh, well, marching to support a, a, a ceasefire. So it's going to be a major, major problem. That's why, which brings us back to what we started to talk about, uh, just is all these changes of tune uh about this agreement too and late, about Jamal. It's uh, too ceasefire late. and about this and that and uh too late i think uh, they're it's trying to kind of see how are they going to flip the vote 
or change the pe people's mind in Michigan because they know damn well that if they don't win Michigan, it's all over. But Jamal, it's not just Michigan. If you look at polling numbers right now, not just Michigan, uh, Trump is ahead of Biden uh, national in all national polls, by, by far. By, I mean, not just by a little, but by far. I mean, you know, five, six, seven points is a lot of uh, percentage points for national polling right now. And some polls put them at four, five, and six points ahead of Biden right now. And we're not even into the thick of things. And I know people are saying, you're hearing all the scare tactics, right, Jamal? We heard this the first time when Biden ran. Oh, if you vote for Trump, uh, the world will fall apart. Things are going to be terrible. I mean, nobody's buying that now, Jamal. I mean, those scare tactics by the Democrats who come out of the work work saying, they're not saying vote for Biden because he's better. They're saying, if you vote for Trump, that's going to be terrible. It's kind of an interesting kind of ploy. And I, I know I have every confidence that that approach is going to backfire. Not talking about what a great candidate you have, rather talking about how bad the other candidate is and voting for Biden out of fear. I don't think that's going to work this time, Jamal. What do you no, think? I, well, that's why there are other options. And that's something that, you know, this monopoly, the two-party system monopoly needs to end. You know, uh, you have Cornel West, you have Dr. Jill Stein, you have others. You know, vote your conscience. You can't well, keep every time voting for the lesser of the two evils, which, by the way, in my case now, the way I look at it, the lesser of the two evils is Trump. After what Biden had done, I mean, after, after he basically uh, partook in a genocide, after he dragged us into two wars, after he's siphoning our treasury to support two wars, I mean, I can't think of him as the lesser of the two evils. Not that I'm a fan of Donald I, Trump, but I'm not going to vote for either one. And I'm, I'm sure others will do the same. I mean, it's just like this is no people shouldn't be trapped that we don't have an option. Maybe maybe it's not going to work this time no. around, but there are other options. And that's something to start thinking and considering, you know. You know, Absolutely. getting out of this but bubble. But I would say, Jamal. Yeah, but I'll say it again. Uh, the Democrats and uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have to pay a price for promoting and 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 engaging in genocide. They have to. You've been listening to Arab That's, Talk on KPOO San Francisco eighty nine point five FM. Go to our website, arabtalkradio.com, to download the latest shows, and we'll speak to you next week. We'll see you next week.